This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? Charlotte Skeeters. And what would you say is your primary role in the line dance community? One of the pioneers uh, back in early 90s mm. when Achy Breaky, the song came out. Mm-hmm. That's when the line dance community started to really build. Mm. And um, I hated the dance because it was bad choreography. But um, that's when I s- sort of started. Mm. Where, where was it that you started out uh, in your line dance journey? It was a little club in Fremont, California, mm. on the East Bay of mm-hmm. San Francisco. It was in this little bar. And with this um, gentleman who taught there, I went into the bar and learned traveling four corners and when I mastered that dance, I thought I had hit the jackpot. Mm. But it started out a little bar, and then after a couple months, his class grew so big that we moved to a little building called Swiss Park. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the original staff that started up Boots and Buckles Dance Club in Fremont, mm. California. Oh, nice. You know, as it turns out, I'm glad you mentioned that, I happen to be wearing my... You Boots too. and Buckles <laughs> Bay Area Line Dance Connection <coughs> shirt. Yeah, I am a full-fledged member as of this yeah, year. Yeah, great. So what can you tell me about those early days of Boots and Buckles in Swiss Park? Just, you know, we taught very easy dances. Um, triple steps, kickball changes were not quite mastered yet. They weren't even introduced at that time. Hmm. You know, vines and... and stomp kicks and there was a lot of heel hooks with cowboy boots it was back in the old days and um, they were much more basic than the dances these days and all the all the music was definitely country western music you never heard any kind of modern music um, back in the early 90s I heard there were still hat tricks back then written into the step sheets oh yes yes and you know the Australians are the ones who picked up the hat tricks hmm in their competitions, they would spin the hat. Hmm. They're good at it. Yes, you, you have had uh, a strong relationship, it seems, with uh, Australia. What can you tell me about that? Um, I was invited back to Australia in the late 90s by Cindy Love, And she put on one of the first events in Australia, in Perth, called the Sand Groper Stomp. And so I went back there and was the featured instructor, one of the first... Americans to be invited to Australia because it was really taken off in Australia. Mm. Excuse me. <coughs> you can edit that out. Huh. <laughs> and um, so after I went to Australia and taught there, and the classes were massive, like 200 people in a class, and um, came back to America and word got around, so they kept inviting me back. And this goes into another history, part of my history with Australia, is I started the line dance competition rules for an organization called Country Western Dance International, CWDI. Mm. Mm. Um, the um, president asked me to form the line dance rules and, and competition for that organization. So I set up the rules, I set up the judging format for their line dance competition, and Australia formed a 
a portion of CWDI for Australia. And I started going back to Australia running weekend judging training workshops because they had no judges in Australia for line dance competition. Mm. So between my teaching gigs in Australia and my judging seminars in Australia, I've been back there seven times. Wow. Just to do that. And, you know, it's a great place. How did you determine what the criteria should be for something that was so new? My one criteria, you know, Michelle Burton was an influence. Mm. My first criteria for competition in a line dance is for the competitors to know exactly the, the dance, the steps, um, to do them precisely. Mm. And I required, I thought, well, let them do two full rounds of the dance and we call it the vanilla version. And after that, they could add their own styling and turns to make it fancy. And Michelle Burton was a competitor at the time. And she was queen of variations. Everybody copied her. But I decided to let them do their own. As long as the dance still flowed in the same direction as the vanilla, so you could tell it was still the same dance, you know, they couldn't go off and do something over in that corner when the dance was supposed to be here. So it just developed over time, you know, and as competitions grew and grew and grew, rules got a little better. Um, the judging criteria was a tough one, but the judges got better. Um, they had to be trained. They had to do apprenticeship um, in competitions. But um, just my experience with choreographers who want their dances done correctly. That's why I required the two vanilla versions to be done precisely as a choreographer choreograph the dance. Mm. And then they could embellish. Mm -hmm. That seems fair. That way you really know they know their stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Hmm. And what uh, impact <coughs> would you say that that has had on competitions that have come since then, like UCWDC and uh, uh, USLDCC? Yeah. And uh, UCW, oh, you just mentioned mm -hmm. them. Well, it was Dave Getty. Dave Getty has always run the competitions for um, UCWDC. Mm -hmm. And we, Dave Getty and I, go back a very long way. And in the beginning of line dance competition, I decided to go with CWDI and not with UCWDC because they were primarily couples. Mm -hmm. And when they saw that CWDI was getting a lot of attendance and a lot of competitors in the line dance version, they decided to adopt that. But it was very small. Oh. And it grew and grew and grew. And um, so they set up their own rules, similar you know, to the ones I started, two vanilla versions and then embellishments. And um, you know, it's just each organization has their own set of rules, their own criteria. But I think they've all stuck with two uh, vanilla versions that I set up in the, in the beginning, which makes me happy. I've heard that that's uh, a good way to not scare away dancers at a, like a country bar as well. Do a couple walls, just this is the actual dance. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, I could probably follow that. And then maybe on a wall when they can't see you, when you're directly behind them, yeah. then you go do nuts. Do Exactly. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah. 
you know, feel the music. Right, right. So you mentioned uh, Michelle Burton, and of course we have Michelle and Michael here yep. at this event. What can you tell me about your relationship with them? Like, how long have you known them, and how did that get Over started? Over 25 <laughs> years, maybe. Hmm. Long time. Um, Michael and Michelle used to take classes from me. Oh, wow. I was, in, I was one of the original instructors at Boots and Buckles. Hmm. Um, a gentleman, um, Neil Hale, he's an icon. I'd like to meet him. Um, <coughs> excuse me. We taught at, as soon as C.W. Parker, the original guy, I forgot to mention his name in the beginning. C.W. Parker was the guy who started Boots and Buckles. Mm. And he, he opened it up at Swiss Park in a bigger location. And after a year or a year and a half, he decided he had to retire and move back to Idaho, I think it was, mm. to be closer to his family. And he trained Neil and I to teach. So he was kind of our mentor before he left. Mm. And then when he went, we took over the class. And we did that for 17 years wow. at Boots and Buckles at Swiss Park. Mm -hmm. um, Neil kind of dropped out of teaching and went into DJing more so I was I, w I was doing all the classes for about five or six years to the end until um, I retired from Bits and Buckles. Mm. But um, your original question, Michael and Michelle, they used to take lessons from me and then they both were competitors mm. and I would judge them mm. <laughs> in competitions. And then they, you know, people grow and then they started uh, um, doing their own events like uh, corning boogie to the cows come home and you know we're old friends like brother and sister we're mm -hmm. back a long way so you mentioned that you were trained alongside neil hale what were the sorts of tips that you were given if you were to pass that along to say yeah. younger young yeah. instructors very very basic uh and we were lucky that we had an instructor uh, C.W. Parker, who taught us to do it properly. He, he was an ex-ballroom um, instructor, so he knew how to break it down so people could understand. Uh, you know, a lot of instructors back there weren't trained, so they would just tell their students, well, take four steps left and four steps right. Do it. So C.W. Parker said you have to tell them to do exactly what you want them to do with each step. So that's what we did. We, we were very structured, you know, left, right, left, right, and then count it, one, two, three, four. So we were very structured in our big teaching in the beginning. And we just got, you know, as anybody, you just get better and better at it, and you see how the students react to your instruction, and if they're understanding what you're telling them to do, then you're doing a good job. But if you look around and everybody's staring at you with a blank face and what is that you wanted us to do? But he was a good teacher, so um, that was kind of like our base. And then as the year, I mean, I'm sure it was terrible in the beginning, but you know, as the years went on, um, we got to be pretty good instructors. It's very important, even at these events, especially at these events because they're so big. What can you tell me about the Golden Gate Classic? Well, that is that Golden Gate Classic was started with six people, myself and Neil, um, 
Mike and Noreen. I'm oh, I met them. Yeah, Mike hmm. and Noreen. I I do not remember their last name. I'm sorry, I should have prepared for that. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, I don't know their last names <coughs> either. If that helps. <laughs> and then another couple that I'm so I just wouldn't remember. So there was six of us who started it. Um, after the second year, four of the uh, original um, event directors decided they didn't want to do it anymore. So that left Neil and I. So we Neil and I did it together the third year, and then he decided he didn't want to do it. And I'm going, oh, my God. What? And it was, I think it was the only, there was two. It was one of two line dance um, events, competition and classes in the Bay Area at that time. So I thought, well, you know, I can't drop this thing. I'm just have to keep keep it going. So I did it myself for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being the primary and the only one in the Bay Area, you know, we got a really good attendance. Back then, uh, five or 600 people was massive. Mm-hmm. So... I ended up carrying it on to the end, yeah. but you know it's an, it's a labor of love. Yeah. Although you work at it for a whole year, but it's it's an event. You know the, mm-hmm. your reward is the smiling faces and the good people that you hire and the instructors. Mm-hmm. I never had to hire people to help me at the event. I had volunteers mm-hmm. who would do the desk and all the other odd jobs, putting down the floor and stuff. They all volunteered because they wanted to be part of it. I think nowadays you have to pay those people, but probably not. I don't know. Well, you'd be surprised. There's still a few out there. Um, there was an event that, that Megan and I attended recently in Florida where we volunteered and uh, checked wristbands at yeah. the door of the ballroom. Uh, registration packets are a popular volunteer spot as well, as you yeah. mentioned. Uh, we've done floors at uh, UCWDC Worlds. Mm-hmm. We're volunteers mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. So there are still ways to, to participate and help out, if you look for them, I guess. And uh, I'm curious, do you think that the Classic will ever be back? Because there really seems to be very little event presence on the West Coast. Well, I'm not there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's a big job. Mm. And it, it can be expensive in the beginning. Mm. You know, if people, uh, you have to do it a few times to get the word out. Um, so a lot of people aren't willing to put out that kind of uh, money to get things started, and not you know it takes a, it takes knowledge to put on a, a, a weekend dance event. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to organize it and how to do it. Um, so I guess there aren't really that many in the Bay Area. Are there any? There was Wild Wild West this uh, last yeah. September for Labor Day weekend. That was Amy's? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, uh, JP just left San Diego, so Spring Fling won't it's be there. Right, right. Um, he, he's moved from SoCal to, to the East Coast. I don't know of any other major ones offhand. Boogie is way up in yeah. Corning, as you mentioned. Right. So, yeah, there's, there's a, a void to be well, filled. Well, Christopher, <laughs> fill the void. I would love to know what what would the timeline be for what to do. Let's I'll say help you. If that you would start be great. It. Absolutely. If, if uh, let's say we had a two year lead, what would be the the sorts of things that one would need to do? Like call the hotel and get talk the to hotel staff. set up okay. in the beginning mm. and 
all, all your requirements. You need how many rooms for workshops. Um, you shouldn't have to pay for the venue if you book so many rooms. You know, you'll block out so many rooms and guarantee the hotel that that many people will come. See, there's the mm-hmm. the chance, you, there's the risk that you have to take that you don't actually book that many rooms. And the rooms that you are holding on to and don't book, they want money for it mm-hmm. because they've held them back. But, um, yeah, set up the hotel a year in advance first. Because most hotels have a year lead, maybe sometimes more than that. And after that, it's basically advertising and get good and instru- get good people you know like Michelle and Michael and Darren and and um, lots of other people I don't want to name only the people are here mm-hmm. but um, yeah hotel first and then your staff which back in my day and, and I it's much more expensive now back in my day when I had the Golden Gate Classic, in the beginning, the instructors, what we paid them was room and board. Hmm. That we didn't pay them for actually doing the classes, because hmm. it was all new, and they were happy to be exposed to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It's much bigger picture now, because mm-hmm. you got to pay pay these guys. But um, it's a job. If uh, sort of an oddball question, but if you had like an unlimited budget and every instructor from all time in their peak physical health <laughs> to be at an event, who would be your your marquee? I'm assuming Joe Thompson would be somewhere <laughs> in there, but that's just my personal bias. Well, of course. <clears throat> um, yeah, Joe Thompson for sure. Um, Darren, of course. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Would Neil make it onto the? He doesn't do it dance but anymore. Of all time, so if you oh, if you were time. in like a parallel dimension where you could just oh. pick them and say like I would love to see this person teach again. Yeah. Michael with his long hair. Anything that you'd oh, like. Oh yeah, Michael has to get his long hair back. <laughs> yeah. He was a hippie for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, Neil uh, to come back. Um, Knox Ryan mm. was fabulous. Hilarious! He used to wear the fancy hats and the fancy Western. Everybody loved him, but he's passed away. Um, he was one of the favorites back then. I've heard I should learn a dance by him called the Riv. Somebody oh, told me I should learn yeah, the Riv. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. Bring it back. Yeah. Gee, I wonder if you can find a step description for that. I wonder. Maybe on Kick It. Mm. That's where a lot of the old dances are, mm. on Kick It. Um... Maybe Max Perry. Do you think he would uh, definitely be fun to Thank see? Thank you. You're yes. Welcome. Yeah. Back in the day, he was the one. I mean, he's one of the original guys to bring West Coast swing styling into long line dance because his whole body emanates style. Mm-hmm. Have you seen him dance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Perrone. She her whole body emanates style. So they're they're both of those people have ballroom backgrounds, but they have the but you know you're born with what they have. You can't manufacture the, the styling that comes out of their bodies. Mm. But uh, that would be those would be good people. Mm. And I know I'm forgetting a lot of other people. Oh, it's all right. If any come to you, just let me know. I will. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, you know, classic eras, 
what other dances do you think should be brought back? Are there any favorite classics from you know, when you started out or any of, any of those on the way to the present that, that you think we should still be dancing because they're just that good? One of the funnest dances that was done at every event for so many years, even uh, UCWDC, Couples would come out and fill the floor to do this dance. And it was Wild Wild West. Mm. Have you ever heard of it? Is that Wild Wild West Boogie, uh, Chris Hookie with the uh, the two? Yes! My God, you know that. (laughs) You're so young. (laughs) I look into the archives as much as I can. And they used to do that at Kodiak Jackson Petaluma when I was starting out. That was a a floor filler. Of course, the Tush Push has always been a floor filler. But, you know, like any dance, you just... Oh, no, not again. But mm. anyway, um, Wild Wild West, that brought everybody out on the floor. And, you know, some of Neil's classics, um, Mustang Sally, mm. um, River of Dreams, mm. <laughs> they still do that. That's one of my classics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did that last night. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I have another one that was one, the CWDI Dance, Line Dance of the Year, and it was called... Um, Hasta Manana mm-hmm. by the um, ABBA, the song mm-hmm. by ABBA. Mm-hmm. And I had a dance to that, kind of an improver dance that everybody did it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many, so many classics. Michael had a bunch of them, Michelle did. Um, but of course, I can't think of them right now. Oh, that's all right. Again, if any come to you, just okay. let me know. Okay. Um, if you had uh, an opportunity to just share a message with everybody in the line dance universe like a giant billboard and we all saw it as we were driving by every morning what's something that you would like to communicate to all of them to the newer line dancers or the old or well I, I would like to share that line dancing is has so many benefits number one it's a family and I don't care what level dance you're you're at. People go to their classes and their local dances, not only to dance, but to be with their people who have the same interests and same likes. It's like a big family. I mean, you you can go to a dance event and meet people and never see them again and then go back a year later and we're all hugging each other. That's what it's all about, you know. Where else can you find that? What other activity can you find that? I don't know. But, um, and for older people, um, I encourage older people, I don't care how, what level you want to dance at, but it is not only good physical exercise, but it's good mental exercise because you have to learn the patterns you have to know how to think. And then for the younger people, I would I have told them to get them interested in coming to classes. Oh, they say, oh, we don't want to do that stupid country stuff. I says, guess what? We do dances to rumba, samba, cha-cha, West Coast swing. What? Yes. And I says, it's not, con- it's not all country. Um, it's still some country, but most of it is done by... You know, um, you know, classic traditional music mm-hmm. that gets them interested. 
because they don't they don't want to have to do stuff to boot scoot and boogie and stuff. Yeah, one of the ones I'll be teaching today, co-choreographed uh, by Megan Barsuli and myself, is called I Want to Spoon, and it's to the song By the Light of the Silvery Moon by Doris Day. Wow. Who would think there's going to be a line dance to uh, that? That's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that teach. Is there one dance, or perhaps a, a, a top few dances, that you think everyone should go out and learn right now? You should have given me a script before this interview. <laughs> That's all right. Um, Something that maybe we would all enjoy from any difficulty level. I've heard different uh, different dances have fun, go mad. For me, maybe dizzy, uh, poetry in motion. Um, come dance with me. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not fast, but it's it's fun to do because of the music by Joe Thompson. Mm. Um, I think that was hers, wasn't it? Come oh, dance that's with me. Yeah, yeah, definitely hers with the song by Nancy Hayes. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Black dresses, Michael Barr. Mm. I, that was a real um, high-level dance back when you choreographed it because nobody did those steps mm-hmm. in that order, mm-hmm. so it was real cutting edge. Um, It's, it's tough to think off the top of my head, but if I had more time, I would, but anyway. It's all right. There's a couple of good ones right there. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it's a nice scene. Like I, I saw there was a, a flyer for an Australian social. It was like all the classics. I saw Fly Like a Bird on there. Yeah. I, I love it. Bay Area representation yeah, yeah, yeah. all the way across the Pacific Ocean. Oh, Hetty. She, she, well, she and Michael used to be a couple, mm. and they used to travel back to Australia. Mm. So she taught Fly Like a Bird back there, and it's still huge back there. Yeah. Cruising's still big here. Oh, yeah. Hot tamales we did the other night. Yeah. Uh, I love that, uh, that Bay Area uh, influence, influence. On, on line dance is still in the culture. They're classics, and the, mu- the music... What I think makes a classic is the music and people who are talented enough to put their choreography to the music and make it work with the music. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of choreography that really doesn't fit part of the music, but I think it's dance stays around because of those two elements. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, thank you for, for taking the time and sitting down and chatting with me. Well, you're welcome. Here at uh, Palm Springs Winter Break 2018. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll see you on the dance floor. All righty.